Hey, it's good to see a room full of masked faces that are smiling with your eyes. I can tell. I, can, I choose to believe that you're smiling with your eyes. That's one of those things. My name is Chad Puckett. Uh, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's just a joy to get to serve this city and to serve this church, and so we would love just the opportunity to meet you. I, I, I would buy you a cup of coffee, I'd buy you lunch, whatever, just to, to sit down and, and hear a little bit about what's going on in your life. One of the things that you pick up is that we were a people, just from the reading right here, we're people in 2 Timothy. We're, we're reading through the book of 2 Timothy together. And if this is your first time with us, that is okay. Let me just give you a brief synopsis. Uh, this is Paul coming knee to knee, nose to nose, and saying, hey, life is hard, but it's worth it, Timothy. Life is hard, but it's worth it. And he talks through uh, just this past week and the, the words right before it, these, this picture of a soldier, of a farmer, of an athlete, and saying, press on, it's worth it. Press on. And so the themes tonight, what we're walking through this evening, is similar. Paul presses the exact same themes, and we, we just want to look at that together. So what I would ask is that uh, you'd pray for me, and I'll pray for you, that we'd be a people that don't just come to church and to another service, but that we're actually people who are leaning in to say, God, do a work in my heart. I need you. And so would you do that with me? Father, thank you. We praise you and we need you. We don't need another just time gathering at something. We actually need to meet with you. And so thank you for the singing, for the praying. Thank you for the time together and for people together to look to your word, to look to you. And we're asking you to fill every bit of this this evening. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, we're in 2 Timothy. If that's something new to you, for any of us, every single Bible has a table of contents at the beginning of it. And it, there's no problem at all to look that up. Even if you're on a device, there will be a table of contents, and you can look that up. No shame at all to say, what page is that on in my Bible? It's towards the, the latter third of this book, uh, of the big Bible book. And, and just feel free, get in the habit of looking at the table of contents and find Finding your way to that section. If you're of a certain age, you might remember years ago there was a skit on Saturday Night Live. It was called uh, the, <laughs> I just blinked on it, Mr. Short-Term Memory. It's this guy that I wanted to illustrate that point for you right there. Uh, the idea of just having this short-term memory and, and the joke in it, it was always and will forever be that it just takes it to ridiculous lengths. Like the, in the moment, in each and every moment, from one moment to the next, that this guy couldn't remember what it was that was being said to him. So just like I illustrated for you, that illustrates for us that we are forgetful people. We're forgetful people. And maybe we don't take it to extremes like the skit does, but in all walks of life, we forget things. We forget things uh, small and we forget things big. Let me give you an example. Perhaps you met someone this evening and you heard their name, and then you instantly forgot it. If that is you, that makes you super normal, and just like most of the people in the world, and when we get somebody, we look them in the eye, maybe we shake their hand, or we give them a bump, and we hear them, and we're like, oh wait, I just, walked to, I, I just heard it 30 seconds ago, and I've instantly forgotten your name. That makes you actually pretty normal. It happens all the time. Maybe you have a to-do list, maybe you have other things, but like, there's actually bigger things too. 
They're, they're bigger things. If you don't pay your bills, you are quickly going to have a problem. If you forget to pay your bills and you're just like not paying attention to when the credit card bill is due, that you're going to have a problem here real quickly. Or bigger things, if you forget to change your oil and tend to your car, pretty soon you're going to have problems. I'm staring down my 16-year-old driver, my 17-year-old driver. I forgot what her age was. I'm, I'm forgetting things left and right right now. If you forget to do these things, it will not take long before you have problems. And then there are the big things in life too, right? We think, how does this even happen? How could people forget certain things? And yet, it, you don't have to look far. Every single day you hear about somebody who forgot their vows. Literally forgot their vows. For a moment or for a longer period, they walk away and they forget these things that they promise. All of us are forgetful people in some ways that are big, in some ways that uh, are small, in some ways that scar, and in some ways that just scab. We're forgetful people. I was struck recently, we heard about a statistic with first responders and, and the overwhelming number of first responders who struggle with suicide, with thoughts of suicide or acting out on it. The first responders are in these circumstances, will put them in, in really stressful things, and then they forget that they matter to somebody. And they, they, they forget that they're, they're not they're just going through a moment in these things. Man, all of us have things we forget. And, and this passage right here is for us, and it speaks to uh, us in, in a really specific way because we're busted up and we're forgetful people. We need this text. We need this passage. And we, we need to see that in it, Paul, the author of this, gives three specific things for us to remember. The first one is going to seem super obvious. It's going to seem really obvious to you, and you're going to think, like, no kidding, Chad, we're in church. Uh, that's what's going to happen. But, I, but it's harder than we give it credit to, to remember. The second one is likely to seem impossible, but every single page of this Bible points and tells us that it's not. And then the third thing, it actually might seem terrifying. It might seem really scary to you. And the reality is that it, it, it actually is there to point us to hope and to point us to, to the real and only hope that we have. And so from the beginning of the Bible to the end, people are told to remember certain things. And so let's look at it. This passage goes, and the first thing that we're told to remember is in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. And before we jump into this, uh, it's obviously right there. Remember Jesus Christ, but you might just think like, that was pretty obvious, Chad. It's right there in the text for us. How on earth could Timothy forget Jesus? That's what the whole thing is about. And isn't Timothy a pastor? And pastors just simply don't forget Jesus. They always talk about it. They always do it. Well, let's just kind of pull back the curtain for a second and, and just be really upfront. It is possible for pastors even to forget about Jesus. And we can get busy. We can get going. We, we face the same stresses and, and tensions in life that you do. And it is possible for pastors and for people, for every single person in every walk of life to forget about Jesus. 
It's really easy to get going after religious things. It's easy to go after the next thing on our list. And, and, And what we actually can do is forget about Jesus. Paul goes right to the source. Timothy Remember this, before anything else, remember Jesus Christ. And not some cartoon version, not some pretty painted version of American Jesus, not just some caricature of this. Like, remember specific things about this one. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember Jesus Christ risen. You see, We believe in an actual, historical, known by his family and neighbors, Jesus Christ. We we believe in one who actually literally walked in a place, died, buried, and was risen again. Remember that one. Friends, his rising from the dead matters because Jesus, because a Jesus in the grave is, is just like anyone else. A Jesus in the grave is just like anyone else and he's no help to any of us. We are called to remember Jesus risen. Jesus risen. We're also called to remember Jesus connected. We're called to, we're connected to this historical fact. He's connected to a long line. He's connected to all sorts of people. You don't have to go any further than Matthew chapter 1 to see this family tree of Jesus that is given. And it connects him back to person after person. Paul specifically names one that is so central to the Jewish people. And he says, remember Jesus, the offspring of David. You see, Jesus being the offspring of David matters because it connects you to this long line of promises throughout the whole Bible. Connects you to person after person. And it opens up this entire thing and it says, you know what? This page right here that I flipped to speaks about Jesus. This page, this story that you think is disconnected, this person in a pit, this person going through the worst of times, it connects you right back to Jesus because he is the fulfillment of every bit of it. Remember that Jesus is connected to this whole story. Not a page of this is disconnected from the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And then he gives one more. He says, Remember Jesus as preached in my gospel. You see, Paul wrote volumes. He spoke volumes about this. Paul wrote page after page. You could turn to Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. You could turn to all these books that Paul wrote, and you can see this gospel of Jesus Christ preached. And Paul says, remember that. You see, he he gives a little bit here in 2 Timothy, but he unpacks so much more of this as he goes forward. He unpacks who it is, what it's been done. We even quoted some of that, having your sins nailed to the cross. Paul remembering Jesus. The first thing that comes out is remember Jesus. Jesus revealed this gospel that has been preached. And it matters because we can look at all of these letters of Paul and see this thread of Jesus specifically coming unpacked for us. 
So as we read through Romans, as we see what is done because of our sin and, and because of what Jesus' sacrifice does, we get a fuller picture of all of it. But the first thing that we're to remember is Jesus. Jesus risen from the dead, the offspring of David, and as preached in his whole gospel. Remember Jesus. It seems obvious, but we forget it, each one of us. The second thing that we're told to do is to remember, remember the power of the gospel. So I want to back up to verse 8 and then and just read through it right here in verses 9 and 10. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, we're supposed to remember that even in the worst, in the darkest moments, in the hardest things, even when there's suffering and there's chains and there's darkness and there's, hard, there's just all sorts of difficulties surrounding him, this power of the gospel at work that is not bound, that is not limited in any way. Paul in chains, throwing out words like suffering and endure right here, he is echoing the voices from the very beginning of this book to the end. He's echoing those uh, of Abraham who's standing on the beach wondering, like how could any of the promises of God ever happen in his life? He, he's echoing the cries of Jacob or of Joseph looking up from this pit saying, like, how did I end up literally in this pit and am I going to die right here? He echoes the, the cry of Moses on a beach looking and saying, this is impossible. How are we going to get out of it? And God literally stands up the water and makes a way for them. He echoes the cries of David, who made a mess of his life in so many ways, has family, has friends turn on him. It didn't turn out exactly what he liked, what he thought it was going to look like. And here is Paul echoing these same things, that even though he is suffering and in chains, God is not bound, and his power is unlimited. He meets us in it. He meets us right there. And maybe you're in a spot tonight where you're thinking, circumstances are hitting me from all sides, and I have no idea which way is up from down. I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know how, how we're going to pay the bills or, or what. Fill in the blank. And maybe you think that you're in some impossible situation in which there is, is truly no hope. And what this points us to is that this power of the gospel that is far beyond anything we could think, dream, or imagine. This power of the gospel that is not bound by what we're going through, that is not bound by our limitations, it is not bound by even our imagination, it is not bound by anything, and it can meet us in our darkest spaces. Maybe that is exactly what you think. Maybe you're here and you think this is impossible, and I warned you of that, but maybe you just need to stop and remember that this power of the gospel that raised Jesus from the dead is still at work even today. Remember Jesus. 
We have no hope apart from Jesus. So we're start by remembering Jesus. Second, remember the power of the gospel. That your circumstances, your impossible is no limit for God. Remember the power of the gospel that meets us even in those darkest spots. And then we get to the third one. Remember, remember that you are not alone. Remember you are not alone. And let's unpack this a little bit. Let's kind of sit here for just a second and unpack this. Because I told you at the beginning that this might be terrifying and you're like, "Ah, I'm not alone. I get that. I, I, I understand this. But even that can be really scary. And, and, and these words can be really scary for us as well. So let's unpack it and start here. You, could, you probably see it. If you see it written in the Bible, you'll see that it's written a little different. It's actually part of a hymn. And so it's this early, early hymn. And it's broken up right here into two parts. And so we get two different sections in it. And, and what we see here in, in just these verses is that six times in three verses, it says we, we are a part of this. And yet sometimes, especially when we're in a dark spot, we start to think, man, I am alone in this. You're not alone in your fears. You're not alone in your suffering. You're not alone in your, your just struggles. You're not alone in any of those things. And maybe before we even read this text, you just need to hear that you are not alone. You're not alone. And so look what it says in verse 11. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, We will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. Okay, so it might be scary because you think you're alone, or reverse that, it might be scary because you think all these other people see what I'm going through. And you forget that they're going through the exact same things. But it's also scary because it uses these really scary words. It's using suffering. It's using endure. And then it's connecting that to, like, if you don't suffer, if you don't endure, well, there you go. If you deny God, there you go. And if you're like me, it's easy to be like, I don't want to suffer. I'm not sure I can endure. And I probably have denied God far more than I could ever admit. So where's the hope for me in this? Because all I see are my shortcomings. All I get to are the shortcomings, and that gets really scary really fast. Remember, you're not in this alone, but your real hope isn't that there's a room full of people going through all the same things that you are. That actually doesn't offer us much hope. Your real hope is that you have a God who knows exactly what you're going through, and he meets you right in those dark spaces. That the real we in this isn't a a crowd full of people. The real we is that God pulls up next to us, knee to knee, nose to nose, and he says, I'm right here. I'm with you every step of this, and I've got it. It's God who meets us right here. You see, we, we live in a time where we want all the benefits without the buy-in. 
Paul has repeatedly gone back and said there's suffering, there's hardship, there's difficulty. He put it in the picture of a soldier, of a farmer, of an athlete and being disciplined and like actually working hard and staying focused on these things. And yet we want all the benefit without the buy-in. And you could put that in any context. As school starts back here in Yukon in person, like we, we want the grades without the hard work. We want the knowledge. I always, I always wanted to know a foreign language without putting in the hard work to learn the language. We want those things. We, we want the job that pays and gives all the benefits without actually having to, to take each step to get there. We want all of these things. We want the marriage. We want the sex. We want, we want the acclaim and the fame. We want all these things without hard work and the difficulties that come along. You see, this passage uses hard terms. The Bible talks about a gift that is freely given, but there are difficult things that come along with it. Things like enduring. Things like suffering. And and Paul isn't just trying to to say, hey, I enjoy difficult things. No, he's saying it, it goes hand in hand with it. And so enduring doesn't earn us anything, but it reveals everything. Suffering isn't the way to the prize. Hear this. It's actually part of the prize. God meets us in those spots, in those moments, in ways that just when everything is wonderful, it looks and feels different. God shows something about his character and who he is when he meets us in our dark days that sustain us for all the other days. I, we, want the prize without the process. I want the harvest without the planting. I want the victory without the battle. And oftentimes, if we were to be really honest, if we were to really get past the surface, and we were just kind of pull the the veneer off, we want the kingdom without the king. We want to feel okay, that everything's going to be okay, and everything's going to be right, but we don't really want to walk with Jesus. And yet that's the we in this. You're not alone because Jesus will meet you in those difficult days, in those difficult moments. We have a king who meets us in the hardest spots of our life. We have a king who knows intimately what that's like, and a king who who sits with us and meets us right there. You see, the the hard days aren't a distraction from the abundant life of Jesus. They're they're not a distraction from this life promised. It's actually a revealer of it. It's a revealer of it. And this, this first pair tells us that we're not alone. You're not alone because everybody is struggling with these same things. And you're not alone because this king offers to meet you right in it. But the second part is actually just as scary because it's like, what if I'm not faithful? What if I deny him? What if I, what if I struggle in this? It even echoes the words of Jesus himself when it says, like, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. You see, there is a judgment for those who reject and deny Jesus. There's a very real judgment. And God's judgment is, without a doubt, terrifying. 
I don't want to run from that. I don't want to shrink from it. I don't want to act like it's not real. It is real. And it's terrifying. But this text and this hymn is not to be sung or, or read over to cripple you and to just to send you into a corner. It's actually to point you to hope. And it points out that God is faithful and he does not deny himself. He is true to his character. And this is who he is. And so it's, it's not to send us into a corner. God remains himself forever. The same God of mercy and of justice fulfilling his promises, whether of, of blessing or of judgment, giving us life if we die with Christ, but denying us if we deny him, just as he warned, he can't deny himself. And so if you're, if you're sitting in that moment and you're like, like, what does that mean? And like, how do, I, how do I not do that? Because I've had a million times where I feel like I've denied God. I want you to hear and remember that we just said, like, remember this whole gospel that Paul has preached in not just one page and one line, but remember in this same Paul who's writing these words is the same Paul who, who wrote these in Romans. He says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's, let's land this right here. You may be here tonight and, and you know your way around church and religion and you can sing songs and, and talk the talk and, and walk the language, but have forgotten Jesus. Maybe you feel like you're in an impossible situation or, or you just feel like you're alone in this. And I want you to remember that you're not. And, and salvation and grace does not depend on how good and cleaned up you are. It comes back to crying out to the one who is able to save. And all who call upon the name of Jesus will be saved.